The Nevada Irrigation District has proposed a plan called the Centennial Water Supply Project, which has created mixed feelings among the public. According to the NID website, the plan will provide drought and climate change mitigation, meet projected future water supply needs, and improve water supply reliability for NID customers. The site also outlines the size of the reservoir, which is 110,000 acres, and where it will be, which is between the existing Rollins and Combi reservoirs. Now that you know some of the NID details, let's dive further into the plan. I spoke with environmentalist and anti-centennial project local, Jeff Litton. Well, hi, my name is Jeff Litton, and I'm from Nevada County here, and uh, third generation of my family to be here, and I make most of my money in tourism. I work as a, as a guide and as a naturalist in other places, and then I also work as an environmental filmmaker. Um, and I make other films as well, but mostly environmental films. So I'm just going to get right into it. Why cool. are you fighting against the dam? Yeah, good question. Um, so I heard about Centennial Dam, or the proposal for Centennial Dam, in 2016, and I was really reluctant to get involved, only because you know big projects like these, they take a lot of time, and they usually take a lot of money. Um, and so I was a little bit reluctant at first, but the more that I found out, um, the more that it just kind of became apparent that it's really something that is not going to help the community. You know, the elevation of the dam is from 1,600 feet in elevation up to 1850. Um, and so, you know, it's down in between Grass Valley and Colfax. And so, you know, it's already taking water out at a very low elevation. So most of this water is not going to be serving Nevada County. It's going to be going to Lincoln and and areas around there and just kind of, you know, being used to fuel development in that area. But also, too, it's the scale of it. So it would drown nine miles of Bear River. Um, and, you know, I think the number that I heard last, something around 24 different families would lose their homes. Um, so that's pretty significant. But also, to the scale of it uh, in terms of the demand on the river. Um, the proposal, um, the, the request is for 221,400 acre feet. Um, think of 221,000 acres covered with one foot of water. Um, and so it's a huge volume of water. And in fact, when you look at NADs, what they've stated as their proposed need in 50 years, it's only one-tenth of the amount of water that they're trying to divert out of Bear River. So they've really oversized uh, the dam and these water rights. And, and the whole thing, it kind of comes down to water rights. It's all about... Um, because we're upstream of other water districts like South Sutter Water District and all the agriculture, about 42,000 acres of farmland that uses that existing water, because we're upstream, we, we legally, we can, we can obtain the rights to that quite easily. Um, we, you know, right now, unfortunately, NID is kind of looking at all that water that goes to this other agriculture as wasted in terms of NID's, you know, budget, water budget, because it's not something they're capturing and selling. So long story short, when you look at the way that it's marketed, um, and it's marketed up and down this uh, up and down the state, that NID can capture this water and sell it out of the district to pay for it. Um, but what they're looking at doing is is essentially taking that water from the other users downstream, being forty two. I think the number I read was forty two thousand acres of farmland. So basically, wow. this water that goes down Bear River uh, comes from the Yuba River, comes from the Bear River. Uh, and then it supplies about 42,000 acres of farmland. 
To summarize Lytton's views, this massive reservoir will be made much larger than needed. NID's future projections of water needs are unnecessarily exceeded with the Centennial Project. According to Lytton, water will just be sold out of district. You know, it's pretty scary. You know, there was a time when, uh, during the debates um, a couple years ago, somebody asked Scott Miller, who was a director who was voted off of the board, because of his, you know, probably because of his advocacy, strong support for Centennial Dam. But somebody asked, what about that water? What about all those farms who are going to need that water downstream? And he said, well, we've won, essentially what he said is, we've won the lawsuits in the past and we'll continue to win those lawsuits because they're not in our district. And so they can get a right to it. Also, too, the plot deepens just a little bit in that, you know, the, the water rights that they're trying to secure for a new dam in 2022 they would the rights go back to 1927 and so it's this really weird loophole where they can essentially obtain or you know uh, they can be allocated these old water rights Um, and the thing with old water rights is that it's not based on modern science or modern data and so if we look at an example like the Colorado River where a huge amount of water was allocated and diverted from the Colorado River, so much so that now it no longer flows to the ocean. And so, you know, the, that's how you kill a river, is you, yeah. is you cut it off from the ocean. Long story short, Centennial, I think, is the same way, in that I think that we're looking at things uh, with blinders on. I think that Nevada Irrigation District, they're looking at this ability to capture water rights and then send those down throughout Southern California without thinking about the system that they're connected to here. Unfortunately, NID Centennial Project Manager Doug Broderick refused to comment on the issue because it is not an active project. At the NID March 23rd Board of Directors meeting, Director Chris Beerwagon expressed his continuous support for the Centennial Project. Here is Beerwagon. So, I will be campaigning on this issue as far as continuing to support the you know, and, and if we even had uh, half of that water storage today, we would not be talking about drought. We would have, we would have that water. A yeah, full complement and surplus. And then we'd have some, we could help out other parts of the How many farmers would love to have that water? You know. <laughs> about a city would love to have it. What yeah. are you continuing to support? What's that? What are you continuing to support? The, the Centennial Reservoir. NID's positive claims include drought mitigation and the recapturing of water lost due to climate change and a reduced snowpack. NID will continue to meet existing water delivery commitments and it will allow more flexibility for future water supply needs of NID customers. Flooding nine miles of Bear River can have a larger environmental impact than one may think. Here is Lytton. Centennial Dam has many different far-reaching effects. Uh, For one, if it were built, it would flood nine miles of Bear River. The number, I think, is 8.52, but if we're using one digit, we'll just call that nine miles of Bear River. So um, not only would it flood the homes of somewhere around 24 different families, not only is it ruining really important recreational uh, opportunities for people in Colfax and Grass Valley who go down to the Bear River for recreation, for camping, for hiking, for bird watching, for all of it. Um, so not only do you have like the, the societal effects, but also you have really tremendous ecological effects. 
when you flood a river, um, what you do is you're turning um, a, a very viable ecosystem, a riparian ecosystem that supports many different animals. And, and in a very big way, you're turning it into an ecological wasteland where you know, if you look at if you look at any of our reservoirs in a low water year, you just have these. You know, it would be the height of a ten-story building. You know, 110 feet of just empty, barren wasteland. You know, where there are no trees, no plants, nothing for for animals. It also creates uh, a major impact for animals who are migrating from one side of the river to the other. So you're blocking that migration from animals. Moreover. It's also um, really changing the the dynamic of the ecosystem and the other animals like our fish. So right now we don't have salmon that can make it all the way up to you know the upper stretches of Bear River. Um, that's because we have you know Camp Far West Dam and uh, and, and so it already has um, it already does have some some issues with fish passage, but um, but those issues could be resolved. One of the one of the fun things about working in Alaska, where I've worked during the summers for the last decade, is that you you learn about the importance of salmon and anadromous fish. Fish, you know, anadromous just means they go between the ocean and the, and freshwater. And salmon are the lifeblood of the Pacific Northwest. And it's something like 120 different species of animals benefit from salmon returning to an ecosystem. You know, we get the biggest, the best, the king salmon, Chinook salmon, and those historically made their way up the Bear River and up the Yuba River, and they were a tremendous lifeblood, not only for the animals, but also, too, for our native peoples, uh, the Nisanan, who were in this area here. Um, so when you when you cut off uh, salmon like that, um, not only are you affecting this ecosystem, but also, to our downstream ecosystem. So, for example, the killer whales, who uh, who depend on these salmon. As far as the economic side of things, this project, which would cost hundreds of millions of dollars, has the potential to raise property taxes and raise water rates. Recreation and tourism through rivers is very important to our county. Litton believes that with new river infrastructure, which could also make money, the region could benefit from a park in the area that would be flooded. He believes that it could provide a voice for the Nisenon people about their ancestral land and educate the public about their significance. This leads into the effects this project has on indigenous people. The Bear River is their ancestral home, and they believe that the dam would violate that fact. You know, I think we've moved on from flooding our ancient, you know, our Native American village sites, and I think that we need to move into an era of appreciating it and celebrating it and creating income for Native peoples to be able to, you know, celebrate their traditional ancestral homeland. When we think about our infrastructure for water in the state of California, traditionally the entire system has been designed to support an endless growth model. And the trouble with an endless growth model is that it's fundamentally flawed. And Planet Earth is not getting bigger. Our resources are not becoming larger. And in fact, all of us know that our system here in on the western slope of California, that things are becoming drier and warmer. And this is a trend that we've seen. All of us have seen these changes in weather patterns. And also, this is what NASA is telling us that uh, we can expect for the future. NASA, using their weather, weather satellites, has made it very clear that we should expect less water into the future. 
So my point is that our, our first lesson that we need to learn is that the endless growth model is fundamentally flawed. And if, if uh, California is going to take a lesson from that and, uh, and try to think about things sustainably, water is really where that dialogue begins. My mom says it this way, that, you know, that eventually, we have to, if, eventually we have to end this endless growth model. And, and if water isn't going to be the limiting factor, than what is. Um, and so, you know, when we look at the drought, and, you know, we had a really big drought here a handful of years ago, uh, you know, 2014 through 17, something like that, or, or 16. Um, when we look at that drought, every single year during that drought, farmers in Central and Southern California were planting more and more almonds and pistachios. And even still to this day, every year we've been increasing the number of acres that are being planted, you know, with things like almonds and pistachios. Now, I'm not saying that that's not good for those farmers, but what I am saying is that I've never heard of anybody dying because they didn't get enough almonds or pistachios. And so I don't think that, you know, this farming in in a desert is is a reason to justify bulldozing the houses of my friends. I don't think that it's justified to flood nine miles of river that are not only loved currently, but also could be improved and become an even better source of, of economic income for all of us in these communities. As far as actual progress made, we do know from NID's records that the agency has spent over $11.3 million from 2014 to 2017 on the project. According to the union and a quote from project manager Doug Roderick, the district has purchased 25 properties, eight of which include homes. The rest of the spending has gone to engineering and real estate consultants, staff time, and legal fees related to Centennial. If the project becomes active, more information will come. For KVMR News, I'm Liv Desitels.